You're listening to The Pedestal from Mike on Much. Presented by Much Studios. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Pedestal. This is the show where we go back and look at movies, potentially uh, from our youth or maybe further back. And, uh, you know, movies that... I don't know what I'm doing with this intro right now. <laughs> That's good. It's been a while. It. Leave it yeah. in. Oh, yeah. leave it in. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, today You're doing we, it. <laughs> you are here with uh, myself, uh, Mike Veerman, and Shane Cunningham. You may know us from the Mike on Much podcast. And we are also here with our friend and award-winning Mensa <laughs> member, Jonathan Popolis. Would How's you call going? him an Adonis? <laughs> oh, I've seen him at the beach. Oh, man. Yeah, you always talk about my mental prowess, but never how good looking I am. So, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to stand next to you shirtless. That is a fact. Today on the pedestal, we are doing the movie Garden State. So for some context, uh, this movie came out in 2004. It is the 93rd highest grossing film of 2004. That would be mm -hmm. our least highest grossing film of any of the films we've talked about mm -hmm. previously. Uh, just to give you but a little bit. But this was an indie blockbuster. So yeah. for an indie film, that's huge. Shane, you're correct. In fact, it made $35.8 million on a $2.5 million budget. Yeah. So that's an amazing return, uh, even though $35 million looks small next to the other movies of the day. So for a little more context, uh, the top five grossing films of 2004 were starting from five going down to one. The Incredibles at five. Meet the Fockers at four. Passion of the Christ at three. Spider-Man 2 at number two, fittingly. And Shrek 2 at one. Weirdly. So this seems like I it was the Passion year. Passion of the Christ was like one of the highest grossing like ever. Yeah, so I know. It didn't even number one of the year. Hmm, ah, that's domestically. Uh, domestically in the United States for this. So the passion of Christ might actually yeah, cross the borders. Exactly. Um, it seems though domestic, this was kind of the year of the sequel, like for the top five to have three sequels with meet the Fockers, Shrek two and Spider-Man two kind of shows you where we were at with films. Yeah. Uh, and Jesus was kind of a good kind of comeback story. That there is no, is there a sequel <laughs> there or does it, it doesn't is the new Testament the a sequel to the old <laughs> Testament. I don't know. <laughs> I know nothing science. about the Bible, so I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus. You know. Oh, yeah. Is Jesus and God the same person? <laughs> that, I feel like that should be this entire podcast. <laughs> Scrap everything. Yeah. Should the Bible remain on the pedestal? <laughs> um, Case four. All right, guys. Let's get into this thing. Uh, first of all, what were our thoughts when we saw it uh, as young people the first time? So 2004, when we all went and saw this film, uh, what were we thinking? And uh, whoever wants to start. Well, for me, uh, in the year 2004, I had been recently broken up with a girlfriend, and I had never had a girlfriend before in my life, so I thought I would never get another girlfriend again in my life. I also am not a high school graduate, so I didn't really have any hope for myself. This is turning into a Whoa. therapy session. <laughs> and then serious. I saw this trailer for Garden State. I thought you can say Passion of the Christ. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and God came from above and sent the trailer for Garden State. Out. And he told me, Jesus is God. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this guy kind of shares a resemblance to me. And I was like, if this does well, I wonder if the babes will start coming out of the woodwork and I'll be like, like, hey, you look like that hot new actor. <laughs> that was my secret hope. Yeah. And so I was more excited for this film to come out than anything. And the trailer was unbelievable. It was like nothing I'd seen before. It seemed quirky and cool before these quirky, cool films were like cookie cutter and cliche. Exactly. Mm -hmm. 
it felt it felt like the first of, of that kind. That line of films that we end up seeing, like Five Hundred Days of Summer, you know, like with the Zoe Deschanel, that type of movie. It feels like the first of its kind of an avalanche, of right? Films. And Natalie Portman wasn't just playing the really pretty girl; she was a weird, total weirdo. Sure. Uh, and I was in love with Natalie Portman also. Right. Right. When that I was yeah. the girl that dumped you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Portman dumped you? Uh, when I first saw this movie, again, 2000, probably 2005, it was probably like a year afterwards. Like I was in film school. Did You didn't go to the theater to see it? I don't really remember. But sure. I do remember at the time thinking this might be the best movie I've ever seen wow. in my entire life. Like I remember just like it felt like life. Like this is how – and I wanted to show these – pictures to you guys just him shirtless it's me naked it's my dick um this is the my first real short film that i made and it was so like, oh my you know what i mean let me see and it's so much garden state, just stealing frames from state. State. like these are like and then that's oh, from the actual movie <laughs> oh <laughs> my saying, god that is how much of I course and loved it like yeah. i thought like i'm like this is it like they he just he just changed filmmaking this is the kind of filmmaker i want to be he like did it like this is every single every single scene spoke mm -hmm. to me and every i'm like oh my god i can't believe that a movie like this exists it was it blew blew me away yeah so i say you're a loser but i did the exact same thing <laughs> with a website that i designed and i copied the garden state website yeah. to a t it's cuz it's it's humiliating yeah. <laughs> it's humiliating <laughs> Yeah, I, I, so I'll get into that. So that's my, I just want to say before anything else I say today, I want to say that when I saw it, I was like borderline obsessed with it. This movie meant a tremendous amount to both of you is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I saw it uh, in the theater. I was living my own for the first time uh, in Toronto and it was, uh, I remember thinking like, I really, 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 really liked it. Like this movie was one of those movies that like stood out to me. I felt like it spoke to me at that time in my life. Uh, I think for like a lot of guys of our generation, like there's sort of like this lost ambivalence to it, obviously Natalie Portman character at that time. I was like, you, you, how could you not fall in love with her sort of like idiosyncratic sort of like all of her little quirks and sort of her earnestness. But so a lot of things about that movie like spoke to me. I remember walking out and just thinking like, wow, that was fantastic. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed this movie and it stood out as like, uh, if you would ask me then, Oh, you know, your top five movies of the year, I would a hundred percent have put that into my top five for sure. Right. But it, but it wasn't like some like earth shaking movie. It was just one of the, my favorite movies of that year for right. me. That and Shrek 2 probably just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I really, really, really uh, enjoyed it. All right. So that's that's the context for how we felt uh, about it then. Uh, and then, so I guess uh, we'd move on to sort of uh, the positives, the case for keeping it on the pedestal. Um, I guess, what did we think about it now? You know, how does it hold up? Uh, what are the best scenes, best performances? We'll go around the table and we'll get them. Um, for me, first of all, I had not seen it since the theater. This is only the second. Of course, it comes on at parties or, you know, yeah. you'll see 20 minutes here or there on TV, whatever. This is the first time in over a decade that I've sat through the whole thing again. So mm -hmm. that's some interesting sort of like context for right. how I consume it. I mm -hmm. imagine you guys must have watched it a bunch throughout the years. Uh, yeah, I did. Like I would uh, like if I was with a girl, I'd like put on the film <laughs> to like, get her yeah. in the mood looking at Zach Braff and then yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's famous right so yeah. everyone agrees that's a look of a yeah. famous person right are, are, are we talking about the, the good the part absolutely yeah, yeah. Well, we keep it on this movie. pedestal fuck this is the what, tricky one what did we like I don't okay I'm glad you away. said that because I was a little scared because I agree this is the tricky one because um, I do think it's a well 
it's a interestingly directed movie. It's very like like it's easy now. Like you said, it's easy now to sort of see how many times it's been aped that perhaps the originality of of how it's made sort of might have fallen away. But I mean, there's there's very interesting shots and very interesting compositions, and it really is striking that like it's it's very interesting for you to point out what the top movies of the time were. So it was clearly like a big blockbuster kind of time, like blockbuster heavy kind of year. So for a movie like this to sort of break out from those things and see this sort of weird small thing and and it looks way different than than what a big budget movie is supposed to look like. That it's still trying to make it look like a Hal Ashby. Yeah. Woody Allen movie. Like it's like it's such a clear Woody Allen. Mm -hmm. Now that I've at the time, I don't know if I was a big Woody Allen fan, but now that I've seen them all, I'm like, Oh, this is just like a bunch. Like a well, Woody he Allen actually movie. played Woody Allen, young Woody yeah. Allen in a Woody Allen film. Um, yeah, Hal Ashby and he's trying to make the graduate. It was him trying to like look at all those past movies and be like, how come no one makes movies like this anymore? Sure. Um, so, th- so I do think it's a visually striking movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought. I mean, he wrote it as well, and I thought that there was. You know, the scene that really stood out to me that I thought was sort of like a good piece of writing uh, in that you get a lot of sort of um, character development and background while still staying in a very like sort of entertaining scene Mm -hmm. was the dinner table scene with uh, uh, Jim Parsons in the night outfit. I had a lovely evening. By the way, it says balls on your face. I thought Jim Parsons was great in this. I agree. Mm -hmm. And the reason I like that scene a lot is because the the Skarsgård character, Skarsgård or Skarsgård? Skarsgård. No, Skarsgård is the very good looking uh, Mm -hmm. guy from True Blood. Right. Sarsgaard, Peter Sarsgaard. His character is the clown from It. (laughs) (laughs) Who was the younger brother of the good looking guy from uh, True Blood. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, that scene to me, like the morning after he wakes up with, what is it, balls on his forehead? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that scene, just because what it does is it's kind of this weird slice of life. Okay, she's sleeping with this guy that they knew in high school, the mom. You kind you see that it's this kind of dilapidated kitchen. It does a lot of background work on the Sarsgaard character while still, for me, being an entertaining scene where you're kind of enjoying this weird cross sort of fight with the guy that's the knight. It's kind of yeah. – what I liked about it was it was entertaining, but also I learned a lot without them saying it about Sarsgaard and his family. And then as an extension of that scene, you know, there's, there's the point where um, the mom sort of gives him the kiss on the forehead. She's like, I love you. And he's like, I love yeah. you too. And Zach Braff kind of like gives a look because it's like maybe he's lacked that affection his whole life. So little things like that while still staying in like a clever scene. There's a lot of little sort of mini movies within the greater movie. And I thought that there was some clever writing going on there in this, the scene construction from Zach Braff is something yeah. I would say was really positive and watching now. I felt the same way when I saw that scene. I felt the same way when I watched the, 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 the doctor scene with the Dr. Cohen and him talking. That doctor, he nailed it. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. Like I, that like, got I, weird I framing too, that scene. You talk about some of the, like yeah. the shots when he's sitting in the, 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 the room waiting to talk to the doctor, you notice it's framed to the side. So the door is almost the center oh, yeah. of the shot and it starts there. And then he looks at the wall. You see the, the, the degrees and then the ones on the roof, which is kind of the sight gag. Yeah. And then it cuts back to that wide. And then he comes through the door before he came through the door. I turned to my wife and I was like, this is weird framing. And I was like, yeah. I wonder why it really grabs you. Like it's, yeah. I mean the frame and, and that character, his name's uh, like Rob Liebman who plays the duck because I looked up the name just cause I'm like, I think this, this, I think that scene's my favorite scene for the similar reasons where I think it's sort of what he's trying to do in this movie, which is this slice of life, this sort of peek in on real people. And, 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 and like, and this doctor plays like a pretty real guy, plays it real, and the sort of peek into sort of a more sad life behind this little scene that yeah. happens here. And your it, dad it, shouldn't be your psychiatrist. He knows that's better. That's first of all. That's a yeah. great line. That <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah. 
Like I'm, I, I haven't. What does he say? I don't feel anything for a while. And he's like, with all this uh, all lithium that, in you, yeah, I'm with all this lithium, you can, hear, about, me. You can yeah. hear me yeah. right now. It was great. It was a very well. And he just, it's like this. This actor is one of the only people to like understand that these are supposed to be real people, and you're supposed to sort of jump out of these lines and make them your own instead of just read them very, very flat, without giving too much of how I feel about all Hold the other back, characters. <laughs> Shaney boy. <laughs> what really hit me on this time around watching was. Uh, when they're in that extremely heated pool yeah, and uh, Zach Graff goes off to the side with Nellie Portman and he kind of gives her a speech on how when you don't have a home, it's like when you move out of the house you grew up in, it's like you don't have a home anymore. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like you're searching for that and that's why you kind of want to create a family. I found that like at this age now watching it, that scene hit me. Whereas when I first saw it, I was like, this is a little too cheesy for me. Sure. But now being of a certain age, starting a family, I was like, oh, maybe that's kind of the reason people do it is the pool scene where he, he ta- swims funny he swims funny yeah that's sure and then they end up uh, in the corner of the pool is that, where he talks, is that where he talks about what happened to his mom or was that when they go inside to the fire that's when they're beside the fireplace yeah, yeah that after the scene swim. i still that still uh, it still shockingly really affected me that fucking latch yeah it's it's really amazing how much of my life has been determined by a quarter-inch piece of plastic. Like the dishwasher scene, like what happened to his mom. I'm like, it's still a pretty goddamn tragic thing that happened to him. I'd forgotten that plot point completely. I, I'd sort of, I remembered that there was some, but the way he tells, it's like a good, good monologue read and him telling him like, this really is still oddly very, very affecting him. This like, this, he pushed his mom and how his life has all been oddly dictated by this one accident that happened to him because he did something when he was nine. I, you know, and there's kind of this for Zach Braff from a performance standpoint, he, he starts the movie obviously very comatose and unfeeling and unable to sort of react in a lot of ways because of the medication he's on. He leaves it behind in LA. And then I guess throughout the movie, we see this sort of awakening. And to me, that scene is kind of beside the fireplace. The first one where we see a bit of his personality, I guess, as the drugs are wearing off narratively, mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know, he kind of makes fun of her like, oh, you freaked out. You're going to run away. Like he kind of apes what she had been like when they'd first met. Right. You know, and, and, and I wrote down that as kind of like a positive, like, oh, I, I kind of like how this character sort of coming out of his malaise as he gets off the drugs and pre- performance wise, it's I'm, I'm riding with him and I'm starting to like him more as we go along as he's becoming more awakened. But, but, but my wife did say she's like, and, and I don't know, you know if I, I know. put this in the, in, the, in the thing. She's like, if he was on drugs for that long and then his body just didn't have drugs like he. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I'm, but that's a movie con, like whatever, yeah. you know. Uh, but I, I bought the, I liked him coming out of it as the movie went along. Did you guys yeah. sort of catch that or, or dig it? Or well, I was just, yeah, I was pretty tired of his. Like, it just felt so cliche to be the guy who's out of it. And there's yeah. something cool about being on these drugs and like I feel nothing. Yeah, that when he did show personality, it was a little bit of a breath of fresh air. That's probably why yeah. it works or stands out. Yeah, good point. That's yeah. a great point. Um, other things I really liked. I ha- I like that cop character, and I'm sad uh, that the, he only made one of the cop yeah. character was funny. The rich friend was. He had some like funny little colorful little bits. colorful characters yeah. that were funny. Yeah, that whole like how'd I do that? The cop asking that question. I did. I enjoyed that. There was some. Is this the first time like Sarsgaard jumped onto our radar? Mine for sure. Yeah, and now he's become me. like a reputable actor. hundred yeah. percent. Like he kind of came out of the ashes of that film as the uh, the breakout. I think he actor. was nominated. I did not do, but I think he was nominated for a Golden Globe for that film. Yes, he was. Really? Well, yeah. I remember seeing that as well. Yeah. Another, if we're talking about awards, Zach Braff won a Grammy. 
for this movie. For the oh, soundtrack. Boy. For right. putting really? together, like making a mixtape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of a crazy idea that for telling everyone that the shins yeah. exist. Uh, I, here's, a, here's the Grammy. I don't think they do that anymore, but at that time they did. Well, Dan, so Dana Canada watching this with me, classic thing where it's like, I put it on, I'm like, oh yeah, we're doing the movie pod. So, uh -huh. so she's kind of in the kitchen. And then like, I know that within like 10 minutes, she's going to eventually sit down. But uh -huh. I was like, have you seen this? She's like, I, uh, her quote exactly was, uh, I think that I know the soundtrack more than the movie. Like the soundtrack is, is more famous than the movie. And there's that famous story that he like put the CD together beforehand and he sent the CD with the screenplay to everyone. And he's like, at this point you have to listen to this song. So it's not like, oh, he, like listen yeah. well, like he, that's like how he put it together. The, the songs were up into him an intrinsic part kind of feels insufferable, but <laughs> I, yeah, I do think, do you like, do you like the soundtrack of this movie? Does it hold oh, up now? I probably know the soundtrack better than I know this movie, yeah. which is like uh, for people of our generation. Is it good? Like I've, that it's, was, it's, I was, it's hard to separate the two. The, yeah. Every song just reminds me of the film so much and whether or not you like the film now, it can either right. leave a, a, you know, good taste in your mouth or a bad one. I, on rewatch, I enjoyed the music, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's I very so. of our time. It's like we were young and sort of. It's the movie does tricks on you if you saw it when you were like 21 or whatever mm -hmm. you would have been, you know, so it's like hearing that music and feeling that way. It is a nostalgic watch. So it's it's interesting to try and separate those feelings with what you're watching with what you're feeling yeah. in a lot of ways, because I think for, you know, like we always talk about, if you were to talk to a 16 year old today and just like you want to see an awesome movie, it's like those th the songs won't do anything for them the way they're doing it for yeah. us yeah. when we're watching it. Well, pick, necessarily picking really cool songs of a certain time period is yes. a, is a good trick to influence you to think that you're watching a good film or mm -hmm. that a scene is good. Yep. And then the more films you watch, the less that trick works. And sometimes the cool music actually begins to irritate you because you're like, ah, I, I know what he's doing. He's doing that Wes Anderson thing without 100%. without that Wes Anderson sensibility. Yeah. So it can help and hurt a scene. Do uh, did did Zach Braff discover Jim Parsons? Is that another takeaway? I think so. Yeah. I think that's because that's a memorable scene. Yeah, like, I feel like I remember when Big Bang Theory came out. Me saying, "I think that's the the night <laughs> from, from, from Garden, Garden State." State. <laughs> uh, there's also another line where uh, he he takes. I like that he also says no to the cocaine when he's at that first house party at the and he says no to the coke, but then takes this random pill. Guess I'll see you guys later. <laughs> oh, I found that my wife and I were laughing at. I that. was like, "What?" I was like, yeah. "No, no, no! I don't partake." But then it's like, but "Here's I'll do a these pill much more serious with a drugs. smiley face." On <laughs> yeah, it. you're gonna be fucked for about five <laughs> hours minimum now. Yeah, for real. It's like, uh, so, but at, at some point after the girl kisses him, dude goes, uh, "It's gonna be a good night." Yeah, you were famous for "It's gonna be a good night." Is this where you stole it from, Shane? No, no, and I don't think he exactly says it's gonna be a good night. Uh, where did I get that from? It's this gonna is going to be a good night. That's what yeah. he says. Yeah. There is something. It's going to. Oh, no. Do you know what? I just. I randomly stole that and put it in a VJ search video. Oh. And, and I had my arm around, oddly, the girlfriend who uh, broke oh, up no. with me and her sister. <laughs> and then uh, my friends became obsessed with the line. It's going to be a good night. But no. It's like our whole group now. It, it's going to be a, a good, good night. night. Just because I had the stupidest VJ search video and That's that line funny. stuck up. So that, that triggered a thing where I was like, I got to ask Shane that question. Yeah, no. And I'd be honest about it, but no. Yeah. Um, uh, any other good stuff? I, let me, I'll say this cause this will bring. Also, and Dowd as the mom. Yeah. She's yeah. good. It's there like, a lot Zach of small, Braff kind of found a lot of good, uh, there little, little, little parts that, that, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, this will leak into obviously the next part because I feel to me, the best part about this movie is it helps me kind of understand my 22 year old self a lot better. <laughs> yeah. 
Because since 22-year-old me liked this movie so much and connected with it in such a way, and I, spoiler alert, did not connect with it nearly as much as I did when I was 22 years old. I'm like, okay, so like, I feel like I got what, I feel like I'd be annoyed by that guy now, but I get him a lot better. I get sort of where my mind was at back sure. then. It's sort of like, is this window back into who I kind of was back then, which is a very interesting thing for a movie to be able to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, same. I, I, and again, like, I mean, I, I think that he wrote a lot of like clever things in there. Like, I mean, for a first time director writer, I think that I think he did a good job. Like this is this is a good movie. And at times it's a very good movie. You Might know, be one of the biggest problems with the movie, not problems, but that this is such a clear first feature. And if I if we looked through a, a, a microscope at everyone else's first features, they probably wouldn't like hold up perfectly either. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, so for a guy's first feature, it is. It is pretty good. I yeah. enjoyed when they were in the quarry and they did the callback uh, where it's like, oh, he's my knight in shining armor. And yeah, Zach motherfucker. Like, he's like, don't talk about knights uh, in front of Mark. It's a sore subject. And then uh, he's like, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. And he's like, you know, that whole yeah. bit was yeah. very, like, I laughed out loud. I'm like, I could see him sitting there and writing that and then like feeling very proud of himself, uh, Zach Braff, as he was writing these little scenes and sort of moments. Yeah. Did you find the wrestling that happened after that part a little weird? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that was strange. <laughs> was that scene. like improv? It was like, a good line, and then the scene just carried on a little <laughs> bit. Laughing like a yeah, you, and she's yeah. like, man, like they're all like, yeah. And they're like editing it, and they're like, leave it in, leave it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, anything else around the table? Things that we want to highlight that we enjoyed about? Uh, I mean, I got State? gray areas. Like one of the gray areas is that like. Uh, the how this was supposed to be like a, an allegory for for Noah's Ark and that whole story, and it worked in that capacity in lots of places. And it feels like if it if he had nailed it, it would have made this movie a lot stronger. The idea of this guy who sort of is trying to keep the best parts of his life and leave the other ones behind, and this and then at the end, there's an actual boat, an actual rain, an actual thing to sort of wash away his old self. And so that's if I felt like if that, uh, but obviously no one who watches the movie, if I, I only knew that because I read that he had that was his, I did not take his that goal. away from the film. That was his goal. Like, yeah. It was supposed to be called like Large's Ark, and he wrote it. it was supposed to be this Noah's Ark and Alan. Yeah, like, I remember that title. Going yeah, on. and so it so. It felt like there's a there's a great there's a great classic movie in there. That it just needed a better director, possibly. Yeah, yeah, and actors and writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's All hard right. to make a movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> let's. Uh, that should be the tagline <laughs> for this podcast. Before we move on, uh, best scene. The best scene. for me, doc, the doctor, the doctor's office with Doctor Cohen. Good call, Mister Andrew Largeman. Yes, hi. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. What? Just kidding. How would I know that? His performance was great. It felt like it was it was very real. It was a very real thing and sort of highlighting what the whole movie is about with the drugs and the thing and your dad and sort of all kind of like locked in there a little bit with like Zach Braff, this young kind of weirdo guy with like a seasoned actor. And it felt like it elevated his performance and everything. And I really, it really like stuck out to me. Maybe not for the best reasons because it stuck out as like a really good scene and a bunch of other not so great scenes. <laughs> uh, Mike, I need to have a think on this for one second. You go. Uh, I would say, I mean, honestly, like I, I really enjoyed that cop scene uh, just because it was there was something funny about that cop and the idea of these people you grew up with. Like now this guy is literally like the law and it was like, well, I had to like shift gears. Yeah. But he's also kind of this like classic local dude. Um, and like I said, I really liked that dinner scene with the night just because I felt like I learned a lot without them sort of like 
shoving it in my face. Like, oh, I come from a, you know, low income family right. and a single mom. And it's just like, it was all there while still laughing at the interaction between the characters. And I'd say it's a testament to time that I didn't pick a scene with him and Natalie Portman. Because if you had asked me like, Oh, hundred percent. My top three scenes would have all been between him and her back then. And mm -hmm. now it is not, which right. I'm sure we will get to in a bit. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to, maybe I already said this, uh, but the, the scene when he's talking about home in the pool in, yeah. Cause it, it, it resonated with me and I was kind of like annoyed with the movie. So for it to cut through that, and actually make me think. I thought it was very effective. It was a nice scene. You're, well, And I like the way she leaned on. Like at that point, they, they hadn't kissed or anything. It was sort of a slow build. She put her head on his shoulder in a way that I remember when it was like, hey, you have a crush on a girl and you kind of get a moment like that. And then like something as little as her putting her head on your shoulder is like, you go, oh, man, that's like you feel that. Yeah. you know. So I felt that, especially like I think a lot of guys are age grew up having a major crush on Natalie Portman. So it's like yeah. that's a, a very sort of uh, aspirational scene in a lot of ways. Did this movie make you feel like or did, like did it remind you of what it feels like when you visit home after not being there for a while? Does do any of us have that exact experience of I haven't been there in a while and so I'm finally going back and never, like the cop thing is a perfect example of this guy who was like this idiot guy who's now a cop and look how much things have changed despite how they're all the same. Did it? Elements. The guys I went to high school with that I'm still buds with and I'll see maybe once or twice a year we'll go for drinks. There's elements of it. You know, there's like, there's some truth nuggets and sort of like in those performances and those interactions. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't really relate so much to the Zach Braff character, but I can relate to maybe the friends, you know, wanting to have drinks and party and still sort of being, uh, I wouldn't even say like in a time machine or stuck in the ways they were, mm -hmm. but just living a different sort of lifestyle. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely made me think about how you s see someone and they, they touch on this in the film. Like they, Zach Braff actually says how it's weird, how you just, you'll hang out with someone for a day and then maybe never see them again. Which is very yeah. accurate. Yeah. That is very accurate. And it's sometimes I, I wish more movies did that where it's not like every, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, best performance. I want to say Peter Sarsgaard. I feel like I want, like uh, there's, yeah. uh, he's, he's, it's, it's uneven, but there's enough good stuff that he does that makes me like, I feel like he, like, I'll say this a lot with like the sort of the proof of concept, the guy who was the sort of weirdo who got kind of left there and all his weirdness just kept getting like expounded upon and expounded upon. And he just becomes this strange guy. And I don't, I don't think he's written particularly well, but I think he takes that person yeah. and makes him real. Well, there was time the power when, of performance when yeah. he was saying lines, I was like, this is a bad line yeah, <laughs> yeah right but he's selling it. that's exactly that's like, exactly I, what i mean when, when he's talking about um the lines about nothing's worse than a favor uh with money i was like there's not a lot even though it's true like money favors are weird and i thought that, that was a good point but it was a weird line brought up kind of out of nowhere i was like any other actor couldn't sell that as real but he fucking worked his ass off at that line and made me really feel like it wasn't as weird as it would feel with anyone yeah. else yeah so I think he's good. I, I was probably going to say the mom who, who's from Designing Women. What's her name? Yeah, Jean Smart, I believe is her name. I thought she was good because they- she Which is crazy. I pulled that. Yeah, I, wow. I, I, I couldn't remember <laughs> Peter Sarsgaard without the K, but I remember Jean's fucking Jeez. Smart. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> but she, she, that could have been a role that was overdone and they could have, she could have been way more trashy. I agree. And uh, she played it really subtle and real, I thought. But yeah, I agree with you, uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, I, 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 it would probably be a toss up. Like Ian Holm, who played the dad. Yeah. <laughs> I did, like, he's, he's a great actor. Like, Why are you laughing, Pops? Because I could not 
watch him in that role without picturing picturing him as Bilbo Baggins. I see. I like think of I think of the sweet hereafter when I see him. I think of him as the lawyer Who's from Bilbo Sweet Hereafter. Baggins? From Lord of the Rings, he plays oh, Bilbo okay. Baggins. And I'm like, Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, like, he's, he's like... <laughs> he's, he mentors Frodo. Yeah. He's the but, one who originally found the ring. But don't I just, you think of him as the lawyer from Sweet Hereafter? No, I think of him as... He's Bilbo Baggins right. with a bullet right at the top. Wow. So it was hard not to see him. I always just call him Zach Brav's dad. Like, oh, there he is. <laughs> the most annihilated. We're I've getting been close. Have it written down here. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> That's a good note. <laughs> One of my most annihilated New Year's ever. I drank two forties of Old English, and I am on tape. Like I'm probably like I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm at the time seventeen or eighteen, and I'm just sitting there at a table. Like I don't remember this. Just going. Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. Do not take me for it's a cheap conjurer yeah. of tricks. Oh uh, yeah. So that, that one stuck with me for a while. Uh, Okay, so uh, I'm with you guys. I, I'd, pr I'd probably throw it to uh, Peter Sarsgaard uh, for best performance. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to uh, <laughs> reasons to potentially knock it off the pedestal. Uh, the case against keeping it on, uh, we'll talk about what has aged badly, what was bad keeping, even then. Taking it off, you mean? Flaws, yeah. Knocking it off. Knocking it off. Well, I was, uh, I think I was listening to like a professor uh, talk about what to do and not to do in one of these YouTube videos uh, for film advice, for first-time filmmakers. And he goes... 80% of you, your first film, you're going to start with the dream sequence. <laughs> it's like, do not do that. It comes off as so amateurish, no matter how good you think it is, it will not age well. And I always remember that. And then, because I had seen this after I saw Garden State. And then watching this, I was like, yeah, this comes off as real cheese to open the film with the weird dream sequence in the plane where they're, I guess it's having a crash, but it's showing how uh, sedated Zach Braff is. Yeah. Yeah. Because during this mayhem, he's perfectly calm. Is it possible? Yeah. I thought this at the time. Is it possible that that wasn't a dream sequence and that was just some plane ride that he took earlier on? And it, they were, it was going to go down, but it didn't crash? Well, no. Did he, he wakes up. Well, yeah, yeah but the I mean, phone's he's ringing. Remembering. The phone is up on the... Just wondering. No. Okay. I'm an idiot. I like that you're... <laughs> <laughs> he's quicker to accept the Noah's Ark thing, but... Then, yeah. <laughs> I'm just... But, I, I know I hear you. Just, yeah. This movie was... It felt like a greatest hits of cliches. Every time you <laughs> oh. have a cliche, it's in this fucking movie. And coming out of the dream <laughs> to the all white bed <sighs> and just the way he's laying in the bed, all neatly tucked in. I know. No who sleeps one like sleeps that? like that. Like, is he supposed to, it's not an, it's like, it's not a hospital, is it? No, it's no. just Zach Braff. I think, I think he's like gotten rid of all of his possessions and he's like right, starting right. anew and then getting the thing, finding out his, his mom's dead. And he did it was the, all over. Like every single thing was sort of every single line. It was all this like faux philosophy throughout this movie. And then, and then going to the washroom and opening up to that amount of prescription medication. That is a comical amount. And then I the, don't care how fucked up you are. You're never the, doing the that The middle much. of the mirror, cutting him in half from side to side. Oh, I have a two person. I have this guy. And I'm, it was just like, Oh my, this thing that I, when I'm 22, it's like, this is profound. And when I'm 35, I'm like, this is so fucking cloying and annoying. Like my grandma, who has a lot of problems, is not on that much medication. No. Like there were, if four bottles would have done the trick, there was over 50 bottles there. It yeah. was like when Inspector Gadget opens his closet and he's got all the Inspector Gadget clothes lined up. It's yeah. exactly like that. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Thank you for saying it. You're welcome, fellas. It, it was sitting there. I needed to say it. Everybody was thinking it. Um, so, yeah. I mean, right off the top, go for it. The thing that didn't hold, I mean, there's many things. I believe we have, we have been dancing around not talking about Natalie Portman and her character. You know what I do when I feel completely unoriginal? 
Like the idea of the manic pixie dream girl. I feel like sure. we're all ready to have. I bet you we all have that in our notes somewhere because it is. She is the ultimate. Who's ground zero for that? Is it Renee Zellweger in Jerry Maguire? Mm, I don't know if she's a she because she, she has count. her own like pro, like she's a, got her own storyline and her own. I think it's what's her name from Elizabeth Town. Oh, uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, I think like that's where that t- that term like came from. I think there was some like article where that's what they called her from that, and then oh, and then I, I, I think this movie started it. I, it, it must. It's got to be like one A or one B because I mean, sure. this is if this could be ground zero too. Because good, good lord, blee, blee, blah, blee, blee. like it just was so. She was so annoying. Like, if she wasn't attractive, we all have to admit she's one of the most annoying, unappealing girls of all time. One hundred percent. Because you think, oh, finally, you know. Uh, a girl who's not just being used or someone being attracted because she's attractive. It's like, she has different qualities. And it, at first I was like, Oh, that's like, that's a cool thing. Now it's like, that's the only reason Zach Braff could possibly have a crush on her. <laughs> yeah. You th- like, she, she's cute. She seems like uh, a child. Like oh, I got a seven year old child. In my notes, I say Portman is obnoxious testament to her charisma that she's watchable throughout mm-hmm. the film. Like that's just, because she's Natalie Portman, you end up watching it. And maybe, yeah. maybe to well, your point, she has it's a beautiful the attractiveness. Face. Yeah. I don't uh, even know if she was watchable. I thought. She also, to your point, seems really young. I said uncomfortably, annoyingly young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they seem like point. completely. She seems like a 16 year old. He seems like a guy in his mid to like late 20s. Infantilizing her yeah. a little bit. Speaking of Woody Allen, maybe that is a weird thing that yeah. he was doing. But Ugh. she just acts so young and naive <laughs> and kind of living in the. She's in the bedroom and she's obsessed with the hamster. It's just like, how old is this girl supposed to be? And it's almost like they put in the scene at the bar where she has the pint just to scream, like, she's 21, she's 21. Yeah. It's But I never even thought about that because maybe when I'm 22 or 21 yeah. watching this film originally, maybe she doesn't seem that far away but now I'm looking at her and I'm like god she seems so young and like you guys said just obnoxious and a lot of times Zach Braff when he was talking to her also talked like the baby and he had this annoying soft baby speak yeah oh, that his, really made me want to kill him his performance was I'll just say yeah this time around awful. it was he's all over the map yes he had good moments but he had moments where it's like what are you doing yeah when he's when he's the waiter at the <laughs> restaurant the way he's talking to them is just insane to me and even the they're talking they're like yeah i don't know get us bread something to chew on it was like oh my god like and you know we thought that was very cool oh oh my god i'm cringing like already in this it's almost like i live in la this is what la people are like i'm Mm -hmm. writing this in i was also watching this with my wife and it took about 10 minutes for her to just say okay i'm out i can't watch this movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) she just walked out of the room did you guys cringe (laughs) at the trend like you know how uh, i cringe at everything he's communicated through uh when he's the waiter at this uh like a bluetooth fucking headset asian restaurant but it's he he's communicated through uh yeah like a bluetooth headset that talks to all the waiters and tells them which tables they have yeah. and all that but the transition out of that to the flight did you notice no it was like uh it was like table 4 you're on table 4 now departing to LA oh. and, yes and, and they he was kept on the, plane. the asian voice to to transfer it to the intercom of the airplane like lose the Asian voice for that. <laughs> Why did they do that? Couldn't they, they should have just had a normal pilot's voice. Not that a pilot can't be Asian, but that was a weird. I know, just transition. weird. Lots of weird, like to, not to go too far away from Natalie Portman's character. Cause I wrote this down because she had a line in this movie where I actually watched it twice. Cause I, I he actually, that means he must've written this line for her where she goes, I'm weird, man. I do random stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like she actually said those words out loud in a movie. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> In defense, mildly is I know it. I know girls and guys that talk like that. I've seen that, but I I just don't. It's, she's just so young compared to him and the conversations him and his friends are having. 
Mm-hmm. She is so clearly a female character written by a 25-year-old Zach Braff. Right. Like that's so, it's just so clearly that right. like no female has look, even looked at this script before it got but to But don't you think Portman. sometimes, like, like, I'm so random. I'm so random. I'm a total nerd. Like, people talk like that, though. They do. Yeah. I, I have met people that talk like that, for sure. Yeah, but not, like, exclusively. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? It's like it, the only way she talks. Yeah, and it's not even the way she talked was annoying. She felt like a, an infantile person person yeah. who maybe she had hit her head a bunch and that was the thing <laughs> okay. and that's why she was like no honestly because she wears that epileptic helmet of course. does anyone else remember her having a seizure the first time they saw this no there well, was never a seizure scene i no. thought there was going to be a moment where she i could i would have bet money if we were Mandela like oh then there's a scene where she exactly where yeah. she had a seizure and he had to kind of hold her i remembered the mom gave away that she had epilepsy yeah and i thought there was a seizure scene but my brain had completely created that over the last decade Anyway, I just wondered if you guys had remembered one, but you guys clearly did not. Well, that was the way I kind of justified her baby talk. You laugh, but I'm serious. Yep, like she's I was sick. like, maybe something's very wrong with her mind. Yeah. But then yeah, still, I, that raises the uncomfortable question. What is he attracted to, to your point, other than, I guess, her beauty? Yeah. What is she? But on the other way, what is she attracted to? Well, because he's a, he's a LA guy. He's been on TV. She's seen as, his so work. So is that it? I mean, is that are we watching a movie where like I, I didn't seem like he he's had sweet. He's in need. His mom has just passed away. I get that stuff, but I mean, being a needy guy is like I felt. I thought he was kind of insufferable and annoying. I agree. And sort of like but I would buy her dude. character. What is she like about him? I would hundred percent buy this girl that's living in small town in New Jersey would be all right. Think he's awesome. But she introduced to the parents early, and yeah. there wasn't a lot of justification on why he. Meeting the parents. Yeah. It was just, okay, you're meeting the parents. Can I get one date scene to establish this? Like she's pulling her ear, next minute he's meeting the mom. <laughs> that was strange. Another thing that was strange, because I, I don't want to forget this, in terms of lines like jumping off the page and coming off his lines, when he meets the cop uh, yeah. who's his old buddy and he finds out that he is a cop after he's pulled over on the motorcycle, he goes, Last time I saw you, you were doing cocaine lines in a washroom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> couldn't he just said coke in a washroom or lines, in a, lines washroom? in a washroom? Yeah. No one says cocaine lines. Yeah. That really bothered me as someone like who's totally out of it. Was that a Woody Allen thing where Woody Allen, like, I wrote these lines, you must say them exactly as written. So Zach Braff might have been like, I'm going to do exactly like how he directs his movie. Like, I wrote it. That's what's going on the screen. There's no. Yeah. Because it does feel that way. There does feel like absolutely more like a table read more than real people having mm-hmm. real conversations with each other. Sure. It sounds like script lines, exactly like you say. There's no, it's just exactly like someone just reading it off a cue card, like just off camera. Uh, Carl at the hardware store did not work for me. That guy's <laughs> married to Katrina Hendricks from Mad Men. No. Yeah. The, the, that's the, I that's, thought you committed suicide like, guy? That Well, the guy that's married to Christina Hendricks is George that's, Clooney's producing partner. That's him then. Interesting. Wow, really? Yeah. That's crazy. I did not I catch that. Because I, I know that know guy that. does, I know that that guy that's married to Christina Hendricks does, he's got a very unique look. Yep. I did not put together that that was the same dude. Yeah. Wow. Um, the whole scene of, uh, from the hardware scene where- Returning the knives? Why are you returning these? They're not sharp enough? They're not sharp enough? No, not for what we need them for. Yeah, returning the knives. My From that point goodness. on, it gets weird. He has to explain it. He has to explain this. It's such a fucking weird scene that does not make any logical sense that they would just give you money with no receipt. That they had to like write in the justification the minute they left the hardware store. Oh, yeah, it's like a flaw in the system. They'll let you do this. this as is, long as it's just under $20. So I have to make sure I... Uh, under $40. Like, $40, yeah, $40 yeah, sure. And it's just like, why even put that? It's just weird. Like my brain's doing work it doesn't mm-hmm. need to do to, I guess, make Sarsgaard look like this guy that's kind of always 
always like uh, gaming the system. He's crafty, yeah. I guess, but it was just like, all right. That and whole the, end thing. So the whole so present, I'm going to give you this present. Oh, Explain God. this to me. So he gets 40 bucks yeah. to rent a helium tank. I, I, right? could, I actually couldn't so track that rent, ending very rent, well. I, I had a lot of trouble with this part. He rents the helium tank, and then he takes it to uh, Method Man, who is playing a bellhop in a hotel who also runs on the side an underground like didn't y'all see some titties illegal so peep show weird. where you're spying on people <laughs> voyeuristic yes. illegal peep hey, show did everyone here say titties did everyone here say titties I'm like what We're, is happening in this movie but everyone inexplicably in the hotel is having intercourse at the same time <laughs> <At> that moment <laughs> and, and somehow it's being projected like it's yeah. not just the people sometimes the people has a magical <sighs> ability to project on a screen and did you guys notice one of the guys who was peeping in that weird little crevice that they're in to see all this stuff is has tape over his mouth? Mm. Does did he? you notice that? No. There was weird things Ugh. I noticed. That whole scene is fucking bonkers. Why couldn't Method Man just <laughs> buy the helium on his own? <laughs> This is so writerly. It's so like on yeah, page. What is it doing it in there? Like I, I literally have. What is with the hotel peep show? Is that a thing? What a weird New Jersey slice of life. Like what is Zach Braff thinking? Like it's like I'm like method man's way over the top. Fine. Totally very weird compared to the rest of the movie. Like in a movie where you can have like kind of subtle character observation with the mom, you know, while still having some comedy with the night. It's like you throw in this excursion and this fucking scene where you're going. What? What is this? And just all these men hanging in this secret hallway watching. That's a great point. It's like, who all is all having sex at the same time in different rooms? I was like, is this a brothel? Even in a seedy motel. Yeah, and it would it have, to be, it has to be a brothel. I, don't, I didn't understand that either. How or why is it being projected on a wall? Like, <laughs> but what brothel has a bellhop? I don't know. Exactly. It, it Just sense. cut the fucking scene. Yeah. Horrible. Who would fight to keep that because in? Because that's his baby, right? This is his first film. And he's like, right. no, this is good. There yeah. is, like I get the him I get uh, Sarsgaard getting the money to buy back the jewelry that he had fenced after stealing it from the yeah. grave. That makes sense. Cut the fucking hotel and met the man. What are you thinking? Okay, yeah. and then he gets <laughs> they get to like that big uh, what's that thing called? The that quarry. Big hole? Quarry. The, the quarry. And then Zach Braff, after they're already at the quarry, they've driven there. They've gone through the fence. He goes, wait, can we just stop this now before we go any further? <laughs> that speech should happen as you're in the middle of the sex show. There was, there was a point where Peter Sarsgaard like, said to him, where he's like, don't you want to know what's in the bag? And like call back to one of our other movies we did. I yelled at the TV. I'm like, no, and I don't <laughs> care. care. <laughs> like, I don't care about this whole stupid ending here. Like, like the quarry is the most normal part. If I was Zach Braff, I'd be like, okay, finally we're at the quarry. Where the I guy can, who's living yeah. with his wife and baby at the bottom yeah. of this quarry. Who I also hate. The whole, the, yeah. That whole ending was nonsense. Okay. Oh. So this guy lives in an, uh, a boat. That yeah. he, it's like an Correct. ark. Uh -huh. At the bottom of a like a bottomless pit, kind yeah, of. or in the middle of a bottomless. I guess he's there pit. to guard the quarry, but then he explores it yeah. at night. There is no way that that would be some secret. Everyone would yeah. know that there's a guy exactly. who lives down there with a baby. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. So is he just doing this to save money, or he just no? They, they pay him to to live there. So like the, whoever. Oh, so I thought he snuck down and lived in that. Thing. No, the company that started the quarry to build whatever was going to be there at some development. Mm -hmm. In order to keep people out, he lives there so that people know there's a presence down there. What his employers who pay him to live there with his family don't know is he goes down and investigates this bottomless sort of quarry right. on his own time at night. And what, is he, what does he find? It's just like some sort like, of like weird, like antiques that he sells. No, I think they, they're into antique jewelry as a side thing. Mm -hmm. 
But I think he's supposed to seem like this. I think kind it's of- just child abuse. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> this is some baby living in this boat. Sounds horrible. There's just a lot <laughs> fucking going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. Like that whole back end. And it's funny because like the scene with them with the garbage bags standing on the, the tractor or whatever it is, yelling into the quarries, like that's the cover of the film. That's one of the standout images that you remember. Yeah. Do you remember it being such bad CGI? No. No. I not- so and then I saw it and I go, bad, what right? The- and, but I just, I was waiting for that scene. There was two scenes that I definitively remembered. It was the Shin scene in the hospital where she's like, listen to this music. Yeah, change your life. And, and it just happens to be queued up to the perfect. Oh no. my yeah. God. And then the screaming into the quarry. And both of them, I was like, what the fuck? Well, here's the thing. The Shin scene, she was so obnoxious. It was very hard. Also the dog humping his leg. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't he just stand up? Like, yeah. He just sat push there. the dog away. Nothing's easier. It's, it's perverted to have a dog come on your leg and yeah. let him go from humping to completion. <laughs> That's crazy. I will. I remember like, so when that shin scene came up, I was like, okay, I wrote in my notes. I'm like the shin scene. This is a famous scene. Mm-hmm. I remember the time thinking this is very cute. Cause obviously we all love Natalie Portman this time around. I'm watching. I'm like, this is so like hack movie. Doesn't really live in reality. It's like kind of yeah. this I, whole I almost cute don't at the like doctors. Natalie Portman anymore. I know. <laughs> I hate her. This is what I like, I was picking out her flaws. I'm like, she doesn't even have earlobe. And she doesn't, by the way. She does not have like, earlobe. How much is she going to giggle in that corner at the dog? And uh, the whole scene, again, like, again, one that stood out for my child is just kind of like, oh, okay. Well, I have to point out, too, uh, the, it's pouring cats and dogs. Like, And these guys have uh, already got it. They're soaked. And then the guy who runs the arc is like, you guys want some garbage bags? Uh, yeah. Zach Braff's like, that'd be great, actually. Be great. It's like, you're already <laughs> fucking soaked. You can't get any less wet, brother. Like, you are swimming basically in the ocean at this point. They're just wearing it as, a, as an oh, aesthetic piece for the film. Yeah. And then the line he says to the man is so cheesy as he leaves. He turns around. Even out of a comedic parody film, it would seem weird. He's like, hey. Good luck exploring the infinite abyss. Thank you. Hey! You too! And I'm cringing the entire time. And then they keep the camera rolling, and he kind of awkwardly shakes the rain out of his hair. Well, the guy says, you too, back to Zach Braff. Like, why? Like, does he know something about Zach Braff's, like, existential journey? Did he pick up on the vibes that he's having this crisis? Yeah, I guess we're all going through a a journey, right? And that's the—we're all going to yell—that'll make you feel something—yell into the infinite Mm -hmm. abyss, and that's what we're all doing. And it's, like, great. Like, the most, like, on-the-nose, like— Again, but it's another real. Like when I'm 22, I, it was I cathartic. Thought it was, I, I thought it was them yelling into the corner. I thought it was profound yeah, when man. I'm 22. And I'm 35, and I'm like, oh my god, mm-hmm. this is unbelievably on the nose. Yeah, even when I was young, I was like, this arc part is weirding me out, and I feel bad for Brad. <laughs> and maybe because I had a resemblance, I'm like, oh, let's not do this to us. Like, let's cut this. <laughs> like, I felt extra. Like, did you remember yeah. when I was? My memory of this movie is that the arc thing is where the movie ends. Do you remember all the airport stuff that all? Yeah. The, oh, yeah, I remember, I the remember they had a resolution to the because that. I mean, as bad as the I mean, I thought the airport stuff was like just as bad. It was mm-hmm. like I talk about like super duper cliche where they actually end a movie where he's going to get on a plane, but he doesn't get on a plane because he just wants to be with her. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god! And by the like, way, yes, it's cliche. But it was handled sloppily. Mm-hmm. There's oh, no yeah. climax to the film. No, it's, it's like just, it just hard cuts her yeah. crying in the fucking telephone booth. And then he's yeah. just running. And then he opens it. Like it was like it was very sloppy, uncinematic, like almost felt like something out of like a TV show. It was just like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, I did not remember it being this like uh, poorly handled. It's just like like they give us the tease like I'm going to go. And maybe if it was a braver movie, it just shows him flying back to LA. Yeah. Well, I kind of liked his speech he was giving. Yes. Because I was like, this feels like real, like he's actually going to go away. Yeah. Wow, this is sad. And then he comes back. <laughs> and he and shits like, on it. That's, that's the most the obvious thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
I also I cross my mind too because because you know what I am trying like I'm trying to find ways and a little bit of my nostalgic self is like okay I guess I'm rooting for this couple and their chemistry. Um, I started thinking like what if he did bring her back to L.A. and I was like. I think that he would eventually like be very annoyed with her and like would be like this has been a huge mistake. And I think she would start straightening her hair, like get rid of that perm thing yeah. she's got going on. And she would just leave him for somebody better, a, a hotter shot movie producer. Because <laughs> she was so enamored by the fact that he just, was a star. He was right? just yeah. a guy who was in the movie about the, the mentally yeah, handicapped We haven't even talked about that yet, oh as far God. as what doesn't age well. Yeah, I, the use of the R word. Yeah. So to, as a joke. That the, the the idea is every time they say it, it's clearly meant to be. Look how funny it is that we keep saying this no, word over I think and over. It's, I think it's look how unsophisticated. Yeah, I want to a joke. The, these people here in New Jersey will use this word liberally. I think is what he's going at. Whereas it's like, like at the time, does he know that it's like very blunt and lame for them to use that word? But because they're kind of a little bit more small town, they're not aware of it. Well, I watched all the DVD extras on this film and they have bloopers and where the, the cop character who you like so much, he's making a stupid <laughs> face. favorite character, he's making, he's I making, like what I like. He's being filmed and he's making a stupid face and he, he then he realizes he's on camera. He's like, okay, I'm retarded. He's like, they kept that in. And also, you know, there's a Black Eyed Peas song that uh, we talked about this on Micah Much actually, that you can still search and find. It's called Let's Get Retarded. Yeah. Yeah. Which they since changed to Let's Get It Started. So, you know... The R word, as we'll call it now, wasn't that bad back then. It was a little taboo, and that's kind of how you could get a little bit of a laugh out of it. But it wasn't this unspeakable word where you'd call sure. it the R it word. It did feel like, like I said, it did feel like every time they were saying it was supposed to be this shock value laugh. Like, like, oh, that's where you played the the retarded uh, the football player. Or is the gag like, that the role is so lame? What do you is mean? the role so lame? That's another problem I had. This guy well, didn't. He's seen one TV show, and it was as the quirky type character. Yeah, sure. I don't. I don't think you can be a Down syndrome quarterback. I just don't. I think you can have <laughs> autism and do that. But yeah, did they specifically say he had Down syndrome? Did they? Did well, they that, diagnose that is what he had? What, colloquially, that's what people refer to as retarded. Is is Down syndrome and things like more serious? No one calls a guy retarded unless they're like a bully in a film who just has autism. Like, right, when, when we hear that, we really think of like the, a certain voice and everything sure. that's associated with mental retardation. Sure. Anyway, it doesn't age well. No, not at all. <laughs> Terribly. Nowadays, I hear in a lot of comedy specials and people saying midget to refer to a little person. And I think, you know, in 10 years... You won't really hear midget being uttered too much, especially with like Peter Dinklage and all these people coming to prominence. But I, I, I do think that the R word back then is like midget now. It's in that fun taboo. We can kind of say it and we're being cheeky, but it's not like so horrible where we need to beep it. I don't even think you can say it now. I agree in very progressive like in cities like what Toronto or whatever, sure. but I use people. I hear people saying midget often, and I I make note of it. Makes you cringe. Yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. You, it's you're right. It is like crossed, starting to cross that mm -hmm. that line. Uh, so is it that time? Well, or, I have. Wait, I, we're no, forgetting scenes, right? Yeah, uh, we'll get there in a second. But I just wanted to give a more overart, like to me, like because like there, it feels like all the problems we have kind of to me line up with this movie is so like a specific kind of person at a very specific time. Like there is, it's not an accident that at the time we thought it was great and now we don't because at the, it was just like disillusioned, white, 
mid like 20 something guys probably from like a more little suburban like not a city center suburban area who all kind of felt like life is now passing them by and I'm watching like this life of the, in the 90s where I was promised like the best life ever kind of isn't happening to me mm-hmm. and so right in like 2005 there's a movie that comes out that just sort of says it and you're like yeah this is exactly my life this is exactly how I feel and now you're to be to look back, not even Isn't as this, this m- the NUI you were speaking of, yeah, uh, a couple of pods ago on we, on we, sorry, the on the uh, but I mean, this is like post night, like this is this is more just the idea of like this mid, this mid knots kind of these all these guys who are like, I was promised this great life and this life isn't happening to me. How, how dare it not be happening to me? And now, when we're 35, uh, it's not even just this movie, I look back at myself back then and be like, You are such an insufferable little asshole mm-hmm. to believe that you were entitled to a better life simply because you felt it was promised to you. And it's sort of how I feel about this character. This guy is just a super insufferable kind of like wonk that I just like hate that I'm like, you asshole. <laughs> Speaking of times change, my first two notes were when the, you know, Miramax was the first thing that came up. And I, just no wrote, I wrote Miramax, <laughs> yikes. And then my second note about 20 minutes is was, I have trouble empathizing with this rich kid struggling actor who yes. is sad. This guy does not wait for a beer. He's a movie star. It's like uh, Jersey's De Niro and shit. That's what I meant about the part. Like, was it such a bad part? I'm like, he has, he's a rich kid. He has everything he's ever wanted. He's doing well in LA. He's not some like, he's getting parts. He's good. He's booking roles. Like he's so he's. Well, he just had that one main Sure, part. but I mean, it's, I mean, it's not nothing. It's enough that everyone in town seems to be like, oh, roll out the red carpet. And he's like, oh, but I'm not that big an actor. It's like, this is your big problem. And, and by the way, like, and, and we, we, I think people can still make movies where people have problems that we might consider, uh, you know, like kind of like problems that aren't real problems in our estimation, but you can still empathize with the character. You can care. I think what's jarring is I remember like to Shane's point that it was like Zach Braff's this kind of proxy for us when we're 21, 22 yes. and, and we're, and now we're watching it. Years on exactly. You're watching it now and you're going, not only am I not that guy, like I don't want to hang out with that guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, he made me feel okay for being lost and unsure and not having a job because he, he was all of those things. Mind you, he had a much bigger safety net being from a wealthy family. Yeah. But I don't think wealth secludes you or uh, omits you from depression and Agreed. all those feelings but like he's you're not, not worthy. I think that's another weird, this movie pretends to be about depression, but he's about a guy who's not depressed, who's on so many pills that when he stops <laughs> taking these pills, all of a sudden he feels better. It's like the opposite. It's like, yeah. I'm not depressed at all, it turns out. Yeah, look at me. I guess I'm saying instead of depression, <laughs> I'm a guy who's like feeling nothing. Yeah. Yes. And at that time, I was like super like, man, I'm like, I just feel so lost that I -hmm. did feel like Zach Zach Graff at that time. Very, I completely, I 100% felt like that at the time. 100%. And did did you guys feel like, uh, you know, Peter Sarsgaard, he recovers a a charm that he stole, like one of his wife's or uh, one of Zach Braff's mom's favorite uh, heirlooms or whatever. That was a shitty heirloom that that necklace was a mcdonald's <laughs> game yeah. that was yeah, horrible like a, a toy out of like a red lobster treasure like chest the, the, how do you describe that those three red lobster ball, treasure it's, chest it's like a, it's that's like how a, to describe it yeah it's like a, a maze sort of like it's like where you have like a metal ball in there and then it three has, metal balls with three indents and you got to get the three little balls into the indents. and that is another indicative thing about this movie all the weird little quirky things for quirky sake like that little the little ball thing and all her her hamster trail in her house and all these things that like are just seem to be like how quirky and tweet. As a writer, he's like, it's all in the details. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's interesting because I feel like people in general, I was I was reading a little bit uh, about this just before we did this. And it's like people in general 
seem to be turning on this film as time has gone on. I don't know if, I don't think it's aged well for a lot of people yeah. like us. Uh, but what's fascinating to me is that Zach Braff is like, he reached out. Like, I guess uh, Vice had written something that was sort I of saw this. pretty uh, scathing. I didn't read the piece that Vice wrote. I just saw that he tweeted at them. I normally like, was it Vice? I can't Vice. recall. It's like, I normally like your reporting, but this is like, it's just like, what do you think Zach Braff thinks of his work a well, decade he later? Wrote what he wrote in the thing, and it's sort of what I alluded to earlier, where he goes, it was my first movie. That's what he actually wrote to them. So <laughs> and like, his best film. Like his, I haven't seen, I mean, I, what, what's, this, what's the, 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 uh, the crowdfunded something one? Something that we're here. Yeah. Now we're here. I wish I wasn't here. Or wish I wasn't here. Yeah, I wish I wasn't seeing that film. But <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that Garden State is much better than Wish I Wasn't Here. Ooh. Well, like, on, that, not <laughs> on that note, should, should we get to it, sure. fellas? Well, I, I also just want to say, in speaking of Zach Braff being unbearable, listen to the director's commentary on this film with him and Allie Portman. Oh, no. He is overtly hitting on her and making her, oh, really? making her uncomfortable. Oh. He feels like the biggest sleazebag narcissist obsessed with this piece of art that he's presumably made. What is her reaction? Does she... Does she uncomfortable giggling like you know she's 21 at the time so this was a commentary made like soon after the movie was made yeah when okay. it when it was known for being kind of like a bit yeah. of a an indie blockbuster and zach braff at the time after the movie came out was notorious for bashing critics who bashed his work he couldn't take any criticism but and, and it seems like you know some things never change i don't sure. think zach braff's gotten cooler as the years have gone by mm. time hasn't been and kind he said braff. he was gonna leave scrubs also and like just be a full-time director, do all these cool things. He ended up having like, you know, a couple films he did. He did that one with Rachel Bilson. After yeah, uh, The Last Kiss. The Last Kiss. But each role had kind of diminishing returns. And then he ended up going back to Scrubs and just saying, hey, I'm just riding it out for the cast. Did you like him in Scrubs? Yeah, I, 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 thought, I never watched I, I thought he was good. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that, that was his best I'm role. more of a Donald Faison man myself. But. I love Donald Faison. I love him in Clueless. I've loved him ever since. He just has this superb likability. Yeah. Anyway, this film's a piece of shit. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely off the pedestal. <laughs> the first note was this movie is so boring, and it's the only note that I. It was just boring too. God yeah. damn, it was just so like. What am I, I didn't watching? find it boring. I found it. I don't I'll know. never watch it again. But indulgent I, and. It was worth. Listen, this movie was worth rewatch, and it's a it's it's a it's a it's a decent movie. It's a good movie, and at times, it can it can even like touch a little bit of great, a little bit. Hmm. But overall. No, it's it's like it does certainly does not uh, deserve to be on the pedestal. I uh, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, mm -hmm. but I think for us guys, there's that little place of nostalgia, and it's kind of funny that we even remember it as this great movie. Of course, like I like I was showing you the things. Like I'm telling you, it like it it has informed my artistic sensibility. Like I don't think that I I would flush away the way I was making like films back then, right? So clearly, it has touched me in a particular way. It, well, but, it does show you that timing is everything. Yes. And this movie came out the perfect time. Exactly the right time. A film like yes. This. And I do think this film had a good butterfly effect for influencing yep. much better films than this. Mm -hmm. And people have done better work that lives in this sort of world. Like I would us. say 500 Days of Summer is the better version of what this wanted to I be. I agree. Yeah. Right? I, I think I think Lena Dunham plays in this sandbox yep. really well. A lot Girls better than is, him. Yes. Well, imagine, I mean, and this, not to kill um, Zach Braff, but like, Imagine Adam Driver in the Zach Braff role. How much just, I just think it'd be handled with so much more sort of, yep. when you talk about that, like that talent disparity. Did performances sink what could have been a greater movie. I think he's fine in this. I mean, I'm not killing him, but I'm just like, mm -hmm. you really do, like you said, like Sarsgaard saying some of those lines and anybody else mm -hmm. saying some of those lines could have been a disaster. Yeah. But this movie, uh, we, we need to vote. Off, 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 off. off. Yeah. 
Maybe one of the worst yeah. movies that we've done so far. I'm glad it was made. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. Yeah. And it meant something to us at yes. some point. Oh, it absolutely changed my life. And I think it's my favorite one we've it. done because it's the perfect example of what this 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 podcast is, which is take something that at the time was clearly on a pedestal for I think all three of us, and it is just does not deserve to be there anymore. Would anyone defend this film at like a like a, a house party? I, I think because you have such a uh, you remember it so well, right? But it, it did, did remind me of looking at a picture of me in high school where I was wearing clothes and I thought I was cool. And then it's just like, I'm such a fucking loser with long dyed blonde hair. <laughs> That's a making a stupid analogy. face. And I thought I was cool. Looking yeah. at an yeah. old picture of yourself and be like, what were you thinking? Frosted tips, Popolis. But you thought you looked <laughs> at the, the best you ever looked. At the time, I thought it looked. was amazing. And I can remember people at the time telling me that looks great and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> this is another... Case closed. Nope. No, what, is, what is it again? Uh, close, close the book on that one. Well, <laughs> it's time to close the book on this one, boys. Perfect. <laughs>